Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Outcast Catholic. We are coming to you from the great Diocese of Sioux City here on the plains of Northwest Iowa. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's great to be back with you. Father Travis, let's just get into it. Word on the street is here in Lamar's, Iowa, that you were looking for some new wheels to get around town. Yeah. So, Demi. Yeah. Demi Tutto. <laughs> yeah. So, here's the thing. I lived in such a small town, it didn't have a moped culture. But I've noticed some of the towns around the rural Midwest are big enough, yet not too big, to have like a moped culture. Among 14-year-olds. Ex- well, <laughs> yeah, but what I've noticed, like, all I do, I just drive from where the rectory is at the one church over to this church. It's just like a mile. I thought that'd be so fun to zip around on a moped. I see all these people zip around on mopeds. Mopeds, turns out, are still really expensive to try to buy one new. Yes. Trying to be a modest, humble priest here. Embrace the simplicity. Right. However... One of our seminarians for the diocese just told me that his dad has a couple used mopeds that he wants to get rid of. Okay. So I'm going to go check that out in a couple of days, possibly get a moped. All right. On a scale of one to lame, how lame is a priest riding a moped? Well, I think you're going to have a lot of street cred with the freshman class at Galen High School. <laughs> yeah, the eighth graders. Yeah, you really are. Uh, you might do wonders at the homecoming parade. I don't know. Wow, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, the hospital is really close to the parish, so I can just zip over there with the moped. Uh-huh. I think that'd be great. Yeah. You let us know how that goes, okay? <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Yeah. We'll take an informal poll among the you, okay, 18 and 19-year-olds and see how that's you going. You lived in Rome for a very long time. I did. What are your thoughts about, what do they call them? Just motos? Vespas. or um, Yeah. Just Vespas, the brand. But I thought yeah. there was a special name for Motorini. Motorini. That's yeah. it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Motorino would be the singular. Yeah, yeah, all the Motorini driving around. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was very handy in a big city like that because you're trying to get somewhere quickly and there's not a lot of space and there's no right. place to park. Right. Um, so even just for parking alone, that was very helpful. Parking is a little more <laughs> yeah, <they're>, you know, <laughs> ample here in Lamar's, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> I, I'm still, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what turns turns out of that meeting. We'll see. I'll give it a test drive. We'll see, see what happens. Well, you need to keep us posted because there are listeners oh, yeah. who are waiting with bated breath to figure out if Father Travis is going to be rolling in a moped. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Well, I don't want to rain on your parade. No. You might start a trend. I might. I, I've heard of a clerics priest. Clerics on mo- mopeds. Clerics on mopeds. I, <laughs> I'm excited. I never thought I'd be a motorcycle driver. I'm a little scared of motorcycles. A moped seems like a nice, you know, nice, nice fix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ridden a moped? Uh, in Rome, I have. Never okay. in the U.S. Okay. I can't say that I've embraced that. But hey, you might be setting a trend. Maybe all of us, in an effort to conserve gas, you never know. With all of my extra gas, then I can buy more stuff, I guess. Yes, in your simplicity of life that you're trying to embrace (laughs) with the moped from the first place. (laughs) Trick out my sweet moped. Yes, you can trick it out. It's going to have LED lights blinging off of it blaring music as well, you go down we'll the keep street. you we'll keep you posted everybody out there that uh, we'll see what happens with this moped you'll have your little uh cup holder that will oh. do an ice cream cone <laughs> an ice cream cone holder here in lamar's yeah i iowa. think i told everybody that that lamar's iowa is where blue bunny 
mm-hmm. is produced. But I learned something. World headquarters. Right I learned here. something last week. Not only is all the Blue Bunny produced here, but Wells, the company, owns some other companies. Uh-huh. They also have different contracts for the companies. Get this. Every Dairy Queen ice cream cake and Dilly Bar in the whole country is made right here in Lamar's. The whole country? The whole country. Because I talked to the guy who runs their account. They have multiple ice cream uh, factories across the country. Uh, Blue Bunny does, right. but all the ice cream cakes are made in this in this one. Really? Yeah. So think of it, friends, like a little like little tip of the hat, maybe a little high five from Iowa every time you slice into one of those delicious ice cream cake logs from <laughs> Dairy Queen. They are delicious. I was once told that you could not take packaged ice cream over the Rocky Mountains. Wow! Because there's so much air that's whipped into ice cream in the processing pro, uh, the process that when you take it across the Rockies at that elevation, then you open it up on the other side in a store. It explodes. It doesn't explode. It's just actually, it reduces, it condenses. Oh. And so it looks like you're missing like the top fourth of the carton. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't happen with ice cream cakes. We'll see. You find out. You've got the local experts right here. I have no idea. Wow. Well, we're going to find out. Stay I tuned, really listeners. I really want an ice cream cake now. So Yeah, everyone's craving ice cream cake. Go buy stock in Dairy Queen because everything just went through the roof with our millions of listeners here at Outcast oh, yeah. Catholic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Father Travis, you know, we live here in northwest Iowa, have a beautiful state, beautiful diocese, and we also recognize that here in Iowa and in rural parts of Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma. The flyover states, the if you The flyover will. states, as those dear friends of ours on the East Coast and West Coast say. Here in the flyover states, we have a number of Catholics who say to us, you know, my, my parish just lacks the vitality that I'd like to see. And here on this show, among many themes here in Outcast Catholic, we're going to be addressing periodically this reality that as small-town America is shrinking, so too do our parish dynamics change. Totally. Uh, there's been lots of mergers and consolidations of parishes here in this diocese and across the Midwest. And there's these realities that we have to keep diving into to say, how do we make this a vibrant uh, center for evangelization with great missionary zeal, a place where the Lord is worshipped very reverently mm-hmm. in, in beautiful liturgies, in which there's an authentic sense of Christian community and Christian welcome. And we have many young adults across the Midwest who say, that isn't always my experience. Right. You know? And I've noticed too, some friends or especially now in a in a getting in a parish as a young priest, there's a moped outside just oh, for is the record. There? Yeah. I could probably go. Did hang you out with did you too. like text somebody? Yeah, hey, drive, drive by, by the moped. <laughs> now I've noticed with a lot of folks, there there's a sadness that comes with realizing their towns are kind of dying. Right. And then when their parish is consolidated or closed, sadly, it, it, you can just really tell that they, the town that these folks who are maybe 50, 60, 70, even 80, the town they knew when they were raising their kids is so different now. Right. And then for younger folks, it's kind of like, yeah, I've always known my town's dead. So I just want to get out of here and go to a big city or something. Right. Um, right. I think that's a reality that so many are facing across the Midwest. And it isn't a reality that has to shape the dynamics of our parish right. forever. If small-town Iowa or small-town anywhere is dying, uh, well, the faith doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, we have to. the, the playing field might change, mm-hmm. but the, um, the rules of the game, so to speak, on how to be authentic to the Lord and live a very authentic and vibrant Catholic life 
that has to take a, a new shape within the within a new context. Right. But it doesn't have to just evaporate. You exactly. Know? Right. So and just because it's not what it used to be mm-hmm. for the town, for the parish, that doesn't mean in any way that it's dying. Right. You know? uh, that's just a op- new opportunity to think of new creative ways to do parish life. Yeah. It's not such a bad thing if the Holy Spirit's opening new doors. <laughs> exactly. You know. So we're going to be exploring that for years to come. We certainly don't have all the answers to that uh, topic. There's going to be many different angles to unpack with that. But one thing that uh, we might want to start with today, Father Travis, is just looking at a starting point. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're on the panhandle of Oklahoma, if you're in the plains of Nebraska, if you're in the fields of Iowa, and you look around and you just say, my parish lacks the vitality that I'd like it to see. Right. Uh, and we've addressed this in another uh, in a previous episode about you know the grass can always look greener somewhere else, and all yeah. of a sudden, if you start running into this comparison game, like, oh, if I could only just be like this parish or this institute or this university's Newman Center, well, then we would just have the world by the string. Or if my parish was like X, then I'd actually get involved, right? But because it's not, because there's no Bible studies, because there's no this or that, I'll just kind of stay on the fringe. Maybe go to mass, right? Yeah. Right, so uh, addressing that and realizing that, hey, maybe what other parishes are doing isn't what we need here, and maybe mm-hmm. that's actually not what the Lord wants for us here in this particular parish or that parish, where do we start? I think I'd like to just address that today mm-hmm. uh, with what could be step one. Mm-hmm. And it's going to sound uh, incredibly simplistic, and yet it has to be at the very heart of it. Mm-hmm. And the step that we need to take first in, in all of these situations is simply prayer. Mm. Right. Uh, and someone might be rolling their eyes right now saying, oh, that's incredibly naive. Well, <laughs> is it naive to say, Lord, we need you here now. I need you to find you for my own holiness, my own sanctification. And we need you here uh, to not only guide this parish, but also to open open up new doors as we struggle with new realities of just rural living. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need you here right now. And, you know, once someone might say, well, I just wish I was in a bigger city or at a Newman Center, that's where all the action in the church is happening. Well, no, the action is always happening wherever the Lord's will Mm. is happening. Mm. (laughs) You know, the the sovereign king of the universe, Mm. whatever he is inviting us toward, whatever his providential plan is helping to unfold as we cooperate with his grace, that's where the action's at. Right. And that action is unfolding in rural communities, in rural monasteries, in convents, uh, houses of discernment, Newman centers, large urban areas, inner city parishes, wherever the Lord's will is speaking and people are responding, mm-hmm. that's ultimately where the center of the action is far beyond whatever our dreams or aspirations might be, right? Oh, yeah. I like that you start with prayer, even though it's so simple, because I found it myself and maybe other pastors, priests, church leaders, when you start getting all excited about kind of Re, remodeling church structure, redoing everything, you become really business oriented, right. which is good, right? But it can really lose the soul and the heart behind it unless it's rooted in a relationship with Jesus, right? If it, it, then it becomes really quickly like, wait, are we just trying to be like a cool, uh, like a marketing, right. uh, you know, gimmick or something that we're right. trying to get people here? And and there are, I mean, there are marketing techniques, there are business techniques, there are best practices you know, that professionals in the world can teach us always within the church. Oh, right. And we always want to be very professional in how we go about our Mm -hmm. work. Um, 
with great stewardship and, and great transparency and also effectiveness in how we invite people in ways that are, are really engaging. Right. So these, you know, marketing techniques and business practices, those can be very helpful. Oh, sure. But from a, from a spiritual st- st- uh, standpoint, if we're not starting with the Lord, if we're not inviting him in to sanctify each one of us, if he is not truly being invited in as the shepherd of the mm. community of faith, then whose whose plans are we following here? Right. You know, is it a business plan? Is it just somebody's, you know, are, are we chasing after a Protestant ideal because someone else down the street is doing this right, right. or that? Is it a is it a particular marketing fad that is is really good in in you know business right now or right. the tech world? Whose plans are we really following if the Lord is not at the heart of that? Right. You know, Psalm one twenty seven always comes to mind. Right. In vain do the builders labor mm. if the Lord isn't building the house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we look at saying we have to revitalize our rural parish, we have to rebuild, um, we, we always inherit the deposit of faith that has always been present. We inherit the, the rich witness of holiness of countless generations of Catholics that have gone before us. But we realize that there might need to be kind of a booster shot, if you will, mm-hmm. or a reset in how that's being in fact effectively engaged within the culture around us and how evangelization is continuing. And prayer really has to be a part of that. And so if there's someone out there, young adults, middle-aged adults, elderly, teenagers, whomever, and you're thinking, boy, I just wish my parish would kind of just take it to the next level. I'm looking mm-hmm. for the Holy Spirit to come in and enliven this community. Well, you need to start with prayer. And uh, obviously you can bring that prayer intention to say, come Holy Spirit, enliven the, uh, enliven the parish here. But as my spiritual director points out, it's not helpful to say, Holy Spirit, go fix all of those people, right? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Holy Spirit, go fix my, pa- my pastor who seems a little lackluster or maybe seems, you know, a little spiritually discouraged at the mm-hmm. moment. Or Holy Spirit, go fix his preaching because I don't like his style, <laughs> right? right? It's, it's, in the spiritual life, it's much more helpful to say, Holy Spirit, why don't you come fix me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, convert my heart, fill me with you, uh, let my heart really beat in sync with Jesus's sacred heart. Um, so, you know, praying for the the rebuilding or the revitalization of parishes really has to start with ourselves first and mm-hmm. foremost. Uh, and so ask yourself that. If you're really serious about building up your parish, how serious are you about your own prayer life? Right. And are you committing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day? Are you stopping by the church, you know, hopefully when it's unlocked and available, maybe a couple times a week if possible mm-hmm. to start off with, uh, just to ch- touch base with the Lord and, you know, be reminded that, you know, Jesus can get lonely in the tabernacles, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he wants to spend time with us. Right. And, and he's longing to to console us and invite us to rest our hearts on his, right? Right. I'm reminded this whole time you're sharing this, I remember you talked to us uh, when I was a seminarian about kind of what we thought the glory days of, our diocese was, mm-hmm. and we were kind of talking about the different stages of the diocese, but I've been so inspired thinking of the early days, the early 1900s, the late 1800s. These people who came from Europe, they had well-established parish life in Europe and right. wherever. I'm of Irish descent, right? Mm-hmm. So they had all these parishes, but they came here, and it was their faith that led them to establish all the parishes we know. It wasn't just because it was already there when they got there and they were just doing the status quo. They came to somewhere that had no Catholic life or community, and they might have even brought in their own priest from Ireland who eventually would incarnate in these dioceses or something. Mm -hmm. But it was their prayer, their faith, that was underlying their kind of ingenuity to 
build that, right. um, that's, that's like our foundations that we can build off of. Right. So it's not like we're starting something brand new, but in some ways we're going far back to what, what started all of this, a, a deep knowledge that we're loved and known by God and that he's inviting us to share that with the world. That's what's made these Catholic communities that was able to grow so large. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, if we've lost the intentionality and relationship with Jesus, then we've lost our, our mission right. uh, and our direction. Right. And perhaps some have lost that. I, I think there's many who have kept it, and we always have to be mm-hmm. respectful no, of that. You know, I think there are some people, particularly senior citizens, who at times bristle about the whole idea of the new evangelization. Right. Oh, sure. Because they might be thinking, well, what have I been doing my whole life right. if we right. have to start over, right? Or they watch, right, exactly. Or they have watched their children and their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, drift away and they're like i'm still praying the rosary for them every single day before daily mass mm-hmm. i'm praying the chaplet i'm praying this i'm praying that i'm reading my bible every day right that's true right but there does have to be kind of a, a cultural engagement that has to start with prayer because we obviously are losing the young quite quickly and we, and we know that and and i think too how to pray i mean if you're living in some type of common life together so if you have a roommate as a young adult or if you're just a young mother or father husband or wife to actually pray together right. in the house. Like I've just uh, been so convinced by this new experience of the domestic church mm-hmm. with so many people at home still in some ways watching live stream masses and how it's been a great opportunity for parents to relearn how to uh, cultivate the domestic church in their home. Right. And the devotional life. And that's the the only way we're going to make the parish uh uh, revitalized is to also revitalize the domestic church too. Right, that um, building block. My pastor here was preaching, oh, a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about how <laughs> COVID is caught. Uh, and he, it was at a baptism. And he said, the faith in some ways is the same way. It's also caught. Mm-hmm. You can't just pass it on. Here, take the faith, you know, I'll sacramentalize a whole generation and then they'll all be faithful Catholics and rebuild, revitalize parishes. Right. But it has to be caught by having a life that's imbued with prayer and connection to the physical pl- place of the church, like you said, mm-hmm. visiting the church to pray, the liturgy, being familiar with devotions like the rosary and things like that. Right. And from that group setting of the household, mm-hmm. whether you're you know with a spouse or a roommate or whomever, that sense of gathering for prayer in small groups can just expand throughout the parish as right. well. You know, if you're a young adult and you, and you really want to revitalize your parish, well, have you noticed, is is there maybe a teenager, a middle-aged person, maybe a senior citizen who is frequently in church, maybe they like to go to adoration, maybe they're in daily mass pretty frequently, could they, you know, help create uh, just a little prayer team? Right. Maybe a prayer team that gets together once a week and says, we're just going to dedicate this 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever, whatever it is that everyone can handle. Uh, we're going to dedicate this uh, prayer time as a team towards our parish. Right. We want to lift up our pastor. Uh, we want his we want his ministry and his leadership and his fatherhood to be blessed mm-hmm. and anointed by the Holy Spirit. And through that Holy Spirit uh, as gift, we want this parish to be going in the right direction with shepherd and flock walking step in step right. with each other. And uh, then that next step, like you had mentioned a moment ago, and then to ask intentionally, Lord, what is it that you're inspiring in me to do to be the change in this parish right um, and i guess that'd be one step actually making that move to pray with others right and to invite them into that kind of deeper communal experience of being catholic not just 
we we happen to see each other because we go to the same church for mass, right? But we're actually living in the body of Christ, and we can share in that uh, through our power to pray as baptized uh, priests, prophets, and kings. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, starting there and saying we're going to have a little prayer team that's going to build up this parish from the inside, mm-hmm. even if it's three people, yeah, or five people meeting at your house. Absolutely. And you could also approach your pastor and say to him, Father, what needs do you have? Hmm. You know, what, what prayer intentions are surfacing in his heart? Uh, what does he see in his fatherly role as the needs of the parish? And could that be incorporated right. into your own personal prayer and the team prayer for the whole parish? I think that's really important. Some of the finest priests I know, they dedicate kind of some prayer warriors to support them. Hmm. Right. And, they're, and they're frequently feeding these this prayer team with some of the intentions that are arising on their hearts, or even maybe just some of the issues that are coming up in spiritual combat right. that could be uh, affecting their own personal holiness as a priest um, or their effective uh, leadership as the father figure of that right. spiritual community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes, when you turn something toward prayer, I've noticed in my life and in other people I've seen this, it's really hard to keep complaining about something that you're praying about. Sure. But it's really easy to keep complaining about something that you're not actually praying for. Right. Um, and especially yeah, when, well you, said. when you ask to be the change of that, mm. then you're kind of confronted with, oh, <laughs> it's hard to complain when I realize I'm part of the problem too, or right. I can be part of the solution. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, those are just a couple of thoughts as starting points to say, what do we do first to uh, re-evangelize you know, those who have slipped away? What do we do first to help build up the life of this parish, particularly if you're young and you don't know where your leadership role really fits in or how to get right. involved or what ministries you could uh, participate in or even start new? Right. I think the starting point here, you know, at least in this episode, needs to be go to prayer. I mean, really great topic. It'll be good to move move on and continue to <laughs> continue to thank you dive into this. A little thank more. you for your affirmation. Yeah, there. you're welcome. <laughs> and the use of the sound effect was just brilliant. Right, just brilliant. Really, really got to try to figure these out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just in closing, uh, if someone wanted to get their foot in the door in a brand new career, mm. they would love to kind of just start out as an intern, maybe go to some big corporation or. You know, go someplace where they know that, you know, some of the experts or the the real innovators or right. the influencers in that field are. Mm-hmm. And you would just want to get your foot in the door and, you know, maybe even just start out as an intern because you just want to be there. And you know that by osmosis, you're going to be picking up things. You're going to learn the lingo. Right. Um, you're going to be networking with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how much more is this true with the Lord? Mm. You know, to really spend time at the feet of the master Right. To learn his lingo as he speaks to the intimacy of our own hearts, mm-hmm. uh, to be networking with his holy ones, mm-hmm. you know, his, his saints and angels, um, his own mother who intercedes for us constantly with her immaculate heart. And just to, as you're saying that, the more and more we do that, the more and more we realize that the things that are already happening, the liturgy, that starts to come alive in a new way. Right. What the church actually is, the, right. the pastor and and parishioners, the the flock entrusted and cared for by the Lord himself as the shepherd, that starts to come out instead of just being like, I'm just really bored at mass because of this bad preaching. Right. If you're actually listening to the Lord, you're realizing, oh, this is what you're doing through the scriptures at mass. Mm-hmm. I'm not just waiting for kind of a, a zippy homily to Absolutely. get me excited. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So I'll just encourage all of our listeners, as you kind of struggle through your own parish identity in this time of kind of a new evangelization, a renewal of parish identity, grappling with the fact that rural America keeps changing very, very quickly, and new technologies are changing the way that rural Americans are living. Uh, first and foremost, you know, we have to be a people of prayer. We have to be people who are committed to the Lord and seek Him with great intentionality, and then from there, um, wait for Him to open up the doors to let us see what next steps we need to be taking. So we're going to keep unpacking this and many, many other topics as we go through um, these themes to say, how do we build up those who might feel like outcasts and welcome those back who have left the church and need to be part of us? Well said. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.